This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Trista's height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Oh, my God. It's just a whooping. Texas up 10-1 on Arizona in the top of the sixth. Meanwhile, we got uh, James Harden video of him walking in the Clippers locker room. Steve Ballmer dapping him up. And then Russell Westbrook coming over to say hi. And then Terrence Mann sitting next to Russell Westbrook with... A, a scowl on his face. Not too happy. No, this guy Nelson. He was the uh, the starter tonight for the D-backs. He was the closer the other night for mm-hmm. the D-backs, and he was abysmal. Could not find the strike zone whatsoever. And here we are. I'm not shocked that there's ten runs scored. He's got to go. He's he is the reason that the Diamondbacks are going to lose the World Series. Him alone. I'm I'm disappointed. I really, really wanted to believe in the Diamondbacks. For the longest time, I didn't want them in the World Series. And, well, if you look at the ratings, nobody wants them in the World Series because they're record low ratings for the World Series. But I thought at this point, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to get excited. I'm going to be all in. Like, let's let's root for this young, scrapping squad with a bunch of 23-year-olds getting there. And, well, this is where we are, you know? Now we just sit here and go, well, it was a fun run. There go the Texas Rangers. Yep. Oh, well. Deal with it. Got to do what we got to do. So, all right, we bring on Ben Brown, NFL data scientist from Pinnacle. And uh, it was kind of busy today in the NFL. A lot of trades. A lot of trades even been before, obviously, the actual trade deadline. But let's look at the overall picture of today and what you saw. Trades. Guys going to different places. Some teams are selling. Some teams are buying in. Who helped themselves the most at the NFL trade deadline? Yeah, it, it was definitely, I would say, action-packed. I, I think, you know, from a fan's perspective, you obviously love to see, you know, a lot of action back and forth. Obviously, some defining lines for teams that are, you know, maybe going full-on into a tank versus teams that very much are kind of trying to restock a little bit of some weak spots. And I think, to me, I know everyone's going to talk about the 49ers getting Chase Young, obviously, former second overall pick for a third-round draft pick from the Washington Commanders. I do think that one kind of at least shows out pretty well, adding him to what is already a really strong, you know, front seven, one of the best defenses in football. And I think he's going to at least have some sort of impact in the situational rushing pass rush perspective. But to me, the the, the move that I really did actually like was uh, the Bills going out, getting Razul Douglas from the Green Bay Packers, who do seem to be fully kind of embracing the, the tank as well. Obviously, losing Tredavious White kind of set their, I would say, secondary expectations back quite a bit. Both Jordan Poyer and Micah, Micah Hyde have kind of been battling, you know, injury situations for the past two seasons. And to actually get a guy that I think has been really strong at certain points, especially later on in his career for the Green Bay Packers, I think they do kind of, I'm, I'm going to say, benefit quite a bit from, you know, a, a, a kind of a weak link type secondary system, strengthening a really weak spot and getting Dane Jackson out of that starting lineup, I think is really going to help them long term. And I do think it at least in some ways maybe closes the gap between them and, and some of the top tier teams of the AFC. And I do think they could very much, you know, win one or two of these playoff games. And if Josh Allen gets hot at the right time, uh, could potentially be that AFC team that gets to the Super Bowl. A low-key move, Ben, was the Lions going out and getting Donovan Peoples-Jones. I did not see that coming. Does that mean that 
Jamison Williams is kind of going to take a step back now in terms of where he's at in target share because he dropped a couple. Uh, his helmet fell out. He's he's like sliding uh, in the backfield. It just kind of feels like he's not really quite ready for the Ben Johnson system. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a definite agreement with you. I think that was probably my main takeaway is like this is more probably an indictment on Jamison Williams and where he kind of fits into this offense. Obviously, he had the drop yesterday, kind of like you said, in and out of the lineup, just doesn't really seem all that confident uh, at any stretch that he's been for the Detroit Lions. And in some ways, you know, he was kind of getting overtaken by Khalif Raymond as well. So I do think Donovan Peoples-Jones, although he might not be taking the lion's share of, you know, pass routes away from Jamison Williams right away, like one or two more games like we've seen from Jamison Williams, unless he does have some sort of, you know, come to Jesus type moment or something for the Detroit Lions. I do think he's going to be sliding further and further down the jet chart. And Donovan Peoples-Jones is in a lot of ways brings a very similar skill set. Obviously, they have Amon Ross St. Brown who can win, you know, basically at any depth, but kind of that slot receiver over the middle type guy. And they do need somebody to kind of stretch the defense. In some ways, that was Josh Reynolds. In some ways, that was Jamison Williams. But getting a third guy into that rotation, I think it's just kind of kind of elevate the entire offense. So I didn't mind the move. Obviously, didn't give up a lot to get Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I very much think he could at least take away some of these opportunities that were going to guys that very much weren't taking advantage of them, I would say. Uh, ben, you brought up the Bills, obviously, and I completely agree. Love the Rasul Douglas move. I think, you know, he could play physical. He could play against tight ends even a little bit, and they needed another cover corner after the Trey White injury. But um, big game coming up against Cincinnati, so we're going to learn a lot, obviously, Sunday night. But, you know, we saw the Bengals. We saw Joe Burrow be able to escape the pocket, make throws down the field. He's pushing the ball down the field a little bit more. Are you a believer that the Cincinnati Bengals now at four and three are officially back, or do you have to maybe Stole like mine. pump the brakes a little bit and see, uh, you know, especially in a big spot against Buffalo? Yeah, I think this is. I don't want to say it's like a make or break spot, but I think to me, you know, obviously the concern going into the season, you know, Joe Burrow, the calf injury, how they were going to kind of get get moving. I would say, and you know, that very much kind of was probably worse than expected. But I think the underside of that is like defensively they just really haven't been where they were at in previous seasons either obviously Luan Morello has a little bit of I would say shine still on him a little bit being able to scheme up defenses that can be really uh, I would say beneficial in stopping the pass but without Jesse Bates in the fold I do think they are still kind of going to be exposed from a secondary standpoint I think in a lot of ways you know the Joe Burrow injury and everything else kind of overshadowed the struggles that they are and probably did have to start the season on the defense side of the football so if they do I would say have a you know a quality defense the performance against the Buffalo Bills here on Sunday night, that would be the time where I would really kind of want to buy into them, but I still very much think on that side of the football, I know Joe Burrow can get it done offensively, but where they're going to be at defensively, I think is still very much like a question in my mind and something that I want to see them actually prove against a top-tier offense before I'd really want to say, yeah, they're back, yeah, they can win the AFC North, yeah, they definitely contend, can contend with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Bills and these other teams to potentially win that AFC conference, I would say. What is it about this Bengals team in these slow starts? I mean, I know this year, uh, you know, Joe Burrow's calf was a major problem, so you kind of want to like factor that in as the main reason. But this is the third straight year that this team has had, you know, started off under five hundred and had to claw their way back. Yeah, it, it is. You know, I do want to give them kind of a pass for the Joe Burrow injury, but in some ways, like when you start to see these sorts of, you know, trends year after year, in some ways maybe it's some sort of preparation type thing, you know, in the preseason training camp, those sorts of things where they're really not getting off to the right foot. Maybe in some ways 
you know, the offensive scheme or defensive scheme isn't evolving enough to the point where they're bringing in really new material to start the season. And a lot of teams are kind of understanding what they're trying to accomplish. I'm not quite sure what it is. And obviously we don't have a ton of sample size to really dive mm-hmm. further into those things. But I do think when you kind of see some of these trends continue to play out, there has to be some sort of, you know, I, I would say root, root, root cause type issue that I think maybe probably goes back to the coaching staff and just a, a lack of ability to really get them prepared, I would say, to kind of start the season. Yeah, I'm curious uh, what you think about the Chiefs because defensively they're probably the best defensive core that Patrick Mahomes has had in his career. They're top five. Rush defense isn't great, but the secondary looks really good. Um, but offensively it just feels like there's something missing, Ben. Uh, who do you think ends up stepping up and being that main guy outside of Travis Kelsey? Because Rasheed Rice still feels like he's got a little bit to go. Yeah, I and I was actually going to probably go with the Rasheed Rice, and I think that, you know, in, in a lot of ways is the real problem, right? Like if you expect Travis Kelsey to in some ways maybe – continue to regress in a certain way just because of age and everything else and maybe not being able to get up for every single week regular season type football game like they do need a secondary guy to emerge and I think you know they they haven't hit on that whatsoever obviously Kadarius Tony has been like in, in a lot of ways an absolute disaster they felt the need to get Mikel Hardman kind of back in the fold but to me, I, I'm going to go back to it. Like, they need the rookie Rasheed Rice to, I would say, emerge and emerge quickly. And he does kind of have to be that one answer uh, to what they need from a secondary receiving standpoint, especially, I, I would say, the slot position, because that kind of alleviates so much of what, you know, Travis Kelsey needs to bring to this offense, I would say, in every single play. So, outside of Marquez Valdez Scanley, you know, kind of stretching the field and being a, you know, a, a quote unquote deep threat and actually making some of those plays downfield, I, I do think that they need Rice to. Uh, figure out this league, figure it out quickly. And I think we've seen flashes to the point where he could kind of be that secondary option. I think in the best case scenario for the Chiefs is that that kind of comes to fruition sooner rather than later. Ben, it's crazy because we have like a bunch of backup quarterbacks going this weekend, but we have some big matchups. We talked about Buffalo-Cincinnati, but I'm really excited, obviously, for Dallas-Philadelphia. If you had to bet this game, the Eagles' three-point favorites, Cowboys on the road, you know, which way would you go? Uh, the total's 46.5, which is the third highest of the week. And I know Cowboys, uh, Dallas, last time they stepped up in class against San Francisco, didn't go very well. Yeah, it, it did not go well. And, you know, the, 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 the Cowboys, I think, are maybe one of the most Jekyll and Hyde type teams that we have, especially this season. I, you know, they've probably been in the past few years as well. But to me, I, I think with what we saw even last Sunday with the Dallas Cowboys, like there is optimism around them. And they do have, I would say, a legitimate number one wide receiver in CD Lamb who can win, I would say, uh, against a really strong Philadelphia Eagles secondary. And I do think that, you know, the Cowboys specifically are probably one of, you know, only a couple – front sevens in football that can really, I would say, kind of compete with the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. So I'm expecting a quality game. I know when you look around, obviously, you know, plus three, I think you're getting, you know, in a lot of ways, even money on that plus three number. So that would very much be the direction that I would side with. And seeing the Dallas Cowboys, you know, kind of like you said, they haven't necessarily done it in a really sustained fashion against the team that they're kind of punching up to. But I do think the Eagles, especially this season, are a little bit more vulnerable than where they were at last year. And I think because of that, uh, I think we're going to see the Eagles at least – I think we're going to see the Cowboys at least keep this one close with an opportunity out there to win it at the end. So uh, I like it. Obviously, we need to avoid some Dak Prescott-type turnover situations. But if that happens, I think the Cowboys can keep this game close enough to cover the three points. And I do think they could also uh, be pretty live to actually win this game outright as well. 
Talking to Ben Brown, BetMGM tonight. I uh, we watched the Saints offense put up 38 points, which was a let's just let's just give him a little standing ovation yeah, here. Finally, they bring something together. Uh, look, I know it was against the Colts, and that secondary has certainly a lot of questions, and it's kind of a get-right defense when it comes to a team and the way they. I I looked. I thought the Saints was always they were. This was an underachieving offense. It just felt like they needed some time to kind of get everything to come together with a new quarterback and get Alvin Kamara back and all those things. When you look at the Saints, is this a team now where we can maybe have a little bit more confidence in this offense moving forward? Yeah, I still think in a lot of ways they are one team that, you know, from like a play-calling standpoint and offensive scheme, it's just it, it, it still leaves, I would say, quite a bit to be desired. They are mm-hmm. a team that very much kind of wants the focal point on winning football games from the defense side and then that's just not something I really want to buy into long term but I think the key you know especially with this most recent offensive performance was you know Rashid Shahid winning up top basically getting open on a couple deep throws and I do think him opening up things I would say for Michael Thomas and Chris Lobby underneath and then obviously Alvin Kamara is going to get his opportunities from a receiving game as well like that is when this offense is kind of hitting on all cylinders right and even if you, you don't necessarily like you know, hit on those shots to Shahid every single week. Like those, those threats and those sorts of opportunities are going to at least open things up underneath, and that's when you start to see the yards after catch accumulate and, and really start to out they kind of move the chain. So I think that in some ways, a, a lot of what they did is encouraging, but I think a sustained success and an offensive play calling, you know, responsibility that is going to try and maximize some of those strengths uh, is something that I kind of want to see sustained over a few weeks now besides before. Really, I would say, you know, crowning them to maybe win the NFC South. Uh, sample size is looking pretty good for the Jags and their win streak, Ben. Uh, what are you seeing from them, and what do you think their ceiling is? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, right now, they're I think they're basically, like, you know, fourth fourth shortest odds basically to win the AFC um, you know right now if you look you know fifth fourth kind of fluctuating with the Buffalo Bills but you know to me like you know the, we know the AFC South is down right you know that's you know easily the most winnable division of football and in some ways like if they get to that second or third seed in the AFC and they do have you know a couple you know home playoff type games like they're very much kind of setting up at least to have kind of this inside track to play in the AFC championship game. And you're looking at, you know, a, a team like them maybe going into Kansas city and at least giving them another game. And we did see that from them last year, uh, you, you know, where they were at when the playoffs when they did actually lose the Kansas city chiefs. So I think in a lot of ways, like that's getting pretty close to their ceiling. And you, you saw some of the moves that they made today, getting Ezra Cleveland, um, you know, it's kind of an insurance policy. Maybe he's the guy that kind of slots in for Walker Little at left guard or something. I, I do think that these are moves that winning teams make. And I think from an overall organization standpoint, like they are a, a team and a, a, a taking an approach that I think is something that I personally want to buy into from the analytics perspective, very much emphasize that. And I do think with Doug Peterson kind of at the helm, like, they obviously have the quarterback. They in some ways have the you know auxiliary pieces along you know the the offensive skill position players to the point where they could be a really good team and they could be you know I would say maybe that team that actually does knock off Kansas State Chiefs playoff time. They might not be there enough defensively right now, but I think in another year or two they're very much I would say going to kind of be in that conversation for sure. There you go, NFL data scientist Ben Brown of Pinnacle. Always good to talk to you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Oh, man, I'm watching this uh, the Suns real quick here just to completely pivot away from the NFL. Early 10-2 lead, now it's 10-4. And then, oh, 
Now the Spurs make it 10-7. Just like that. I, I love this Spurs team, guys. I do. Me too. They're fun. I know they're not going to win a ton of games this year, but damn it, they're Block fun. That. Block that Webby. No, oh, he just put no. his hands up. He didn't want to get in foul trouble. At MGM the night. The winning trifecta is Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashu. All three will be right back on Bet MGM tonight. Presented by Bet MGM. Live from BetQL. My wheelhouse, a fast food sandwich from McDonald's or some booze. <laughs> I think that's perfectly in line. What about you? I'm not sure I was thinking about this because so much of like marketing and brand management is about awareness. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I have it. Like, I feel like I am so different in so many regards, like maybe like a healthy smoothie place. I don't know. Uh, I do. I wear a lot of Lululemon, but like, I don't think I'm like cool enough to maybe represent them. But the reason I bring this up is because Mm -hmm. it feels like we have the perfect partnership in the NFL between Kirk Cousins and Coles. Has there ever been a better brand deal with somebody who is extremely self-aware that he dresses like a dad? Have you seen some of these fits sponsored by Kohl's? Like they look right up his alley. And I took my hat to him. (laughs) I actually have not seen these. This does not shock me at all. It's actually perfect. Perfect guy. I will give Kirk Cousins credit enough. You know, and you you mentioned it, which is at least he's self-aware enough to know. You know, that's the worst when people just have no self-awareness at all and they'll dress a certain way or they'll act a certain way and they just don't see why what they're doing or what they're wearing is ridiculous. But I think this is chef's kiss. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app. talking to a couple of folks about this and I think Drake may even with the loss Drake may look better in that loss than Caleb looked in his his loss and I, the big thing for me when I'm watching these games and and and, and I'm looking for advancement right I'm looking for development um and I just I, I don't see him getting better I see him doing a lot of the same things and now that teams have a beat on it they're making him make mistakes and now that he's making mistakes there's frustration and you can see it on the sidelines and that's the whole deal so when i look at him i think may has an opportunity to push but i also think Penix, a guy who i said should be the front runner for the heisman Penix has an opportunity to push as well and so with caleb williams we also have to go to the nfl right and so you got to look at what lincoln riley's done and he's had kyler murray i'm not giving him jalen hurts I am going to, I'm going to leave Jalen Hurts at Alabama. I am. I'm going to leave him at Alabama simply because there's no other Oklahoma quarterbacks that are squatting 700 pounds. That's Bama built. So I'm going to go with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But Baker Mayfield also as a top pick and both of those guys, one's been around the league. He's already been around the block in Baker. And then the other one, his own team does not want him to play in Kyler Murray. 
So I think kind of the shines come off the apple with Lincoln Riley and you watch him, how frustrated he's been getting over the course of these games and not being able to get stuff done. I just don't, when I watch Caleb Williams play, a lot of it is out of phase. A lot of it is out of the structure of an offense and to be in the NFL, you've got to play within the offensive structure. Drake may plays within the structure of that offense. Do I love that offense? Not exactly, but he still plays within the structure of an offense. It's not all improv. And so I think that's the difference here. And yeah, there's going to be somebody, you know, whether it's like the Colts with Anthony Richardson that are going to take a gamble on someone that's willing to play that, that makes their best plays without, with it outside of the structure of the offense. But I think Drake May is now becoming more of a Drake May and Michael Pinks are becoming more. Um, they're bubbling up from everyone I talk to from an NFL standpoint because they play within the structure and they find ways to make plays. They know when guys are supposed to be open. They understand where the plays are made instead of everything else. They they can use the auxiliary, but at the end of the day, what we're seeing are, is teams want guys that can still play within the structure. It's time for more BetMGM Tonight with Ryan, Trista, and Nick on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. 16-9. Sun's up over the Spurs right now. Wemby's got a block. I don't know what Grayson Allen was thinking, trying to shoot a three over that nine-and-a-half-foot wingspan or whatever the hell it is. Wemby's got a block. Jeez, you can't shoot over Slenderman. I keep seeing pictures on Twitter. Scary. It's just... He's he really also good. He kind of looks like a tall, lanky Moon Knight. If you're into that kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. He kind of looks like yeah. Moon Knight. Yeah. Yeah, when he has his little suit and at, his white. At suit. some point, he's going to be in a movie, right? Oh, for like, sure. Like, you have to use him in a movie as like a, a quick. It's like, what was it? Was George Mirazan in a. What was it? A My Giant? Oh, yeah. Oh, with yeah. Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. Let's, you got to get Wemby in a movie. Oh, man. I don't know what it would be, but we'll You know we'll what find is something. so funny? It's him and Nate Robinson, and it's, <laughs> yeah. the, it's, the, it's the new twins. Yeah. Uh, but the black edition. <laughs> twins. Instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Don, Danny DeVito. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> oh, my God, that would be great. It's going to happen, it's too. It's Wemby and Nate Robinson. I like it. Or Muggsy Bogues. Or Muggsy Bogues. I would do Muggsy Bogues in that We that should get on too. that right now. Yeah. I like it. We should make that happen right now before somebody else does and get our name on that product. No, I think that's a great idea. I was actually, so I went back. And um, like watched all these like big dudes when they first came into the league because I was thinking they're gonna have to change the rules here for Wemby. Mm-hmm. I watched um, George Marison those first two years. There would have been no stopping him if you just allowed him. He would just camp out in the paint and they couldn't move him. And then all of a sudden they had to change all the rules like Shaq early on. Too. Yes, but it's funny when you go back and you watch and you watch how the league had to adjust because these dudes would have dominated. Like you. Imagine, like, Wilt back in the day, and granted it was against plumbers and garbage men, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, I would love to see a guy score 100 points and pull down 50 boards. It's what you see, like, when Dwight Howard and these guys leave the country and they go elsewhere. But, like, what would they have to – what would they change? What is the NBA going to change – for Wemby? To accommodate Wemby's dominance. That that's that would be my question. I started to listen. They were talking about this on a podcast, and I started to listen, but then I was like, oh, oh, no, um – Big Washington game against uh, USC. Got to dive into it. I'll get back to this. And then I kind of forgot all about it, though. Yeah, I got a lot going on in my brain. Well, fair enough. 
It's a very strange place around 1 a.m. when I'm watching Wemby and George Marison highlights. What about uh, at 1 p.m. when you're watching Wemby and George Marison highlights? <laughs> that's that's why uh, it gets tough this time of year, you know, because I'm already in football mode. Uh, not going to lie, not in baseball mode. I mean, well, I it's also 10-1 right now. I mean, this well, game is like, just... Well, it's like, how do you cap, like, game to game? If you don't have series prices, I get that people like props. I just, you know, not for me. Yeah, the, the, this game probably is going to be hoops. the lowest rated out of all hoops. the games. Horvat Hoops. Horvat Hoops. Though. I mean, yeah, nobody's been watching the World Series, By the way, we got to start at some point sometime soon talk about... College? College. Yeah, college. this week. College basketball. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think we already had a game, like, last week. Man. Just randomly Does that happens. count, though? I don't know Preseason games. Yeah. Preseason games, <laughs> yeah. but it's already, you know, live action's taking That's place. That's right. College basketball always sneaks up on you. It gets kind of just like, it kind of slides in under the mm-hmm. radar, and then there's a few of those. You wake up, you're big, like, oh, it's happening. Yeah. Oh, my and, God. And, yeah, that's right. And then there's those big matchups that happen, and then you're like, oh, that's when you kind of start to pay attention to it, and you're like, oh, but wait, college football. Oh, wait, the NFL. Oh, the NBA. And it just becomes just... Yeah. There's just not enough hours in the day. I can't wait. It's like college football, though, like new faces, like Hunter Dickinson's on Kansas, so now I have to hate him even more. There you um, go. Yeah, I can't wait, man. It's going to get going, <laughs> so beautiful thing. Well, speaking of college, you want to jump down into the uh, the college football ranks and kind of look at some of these games this weekend? Absolutely. You know damn right. Time to paint the face and listen up. Class is in session at Horvat U. All right, so... Really quick, though, before we get into this weekend's games, and we got games tomorrow, the uh, college football playoff rankings came out. And now I kind of want to dive into this a little bit because I'm thinking Ohio State's number one. A bunch of people have an issue with this. I have no issue mm-hmm. with this because when you think of um, strength of schedule, uh, there's two teams that I think you have to give a lot of credit to. And it's Ohio State because you go on the road and you beat Notre Dame. You also beat, and granted, like Purdue's not very good this year, but you beat Purdue on the road, and you just went into Camp Randall in a primetime spot and beat Wisconsin and covered the number. You know, you beat them by two touchdowns, and that's a Luke Fickle-led Wisconsin team. That's a tough place to play Camp Randall, especially in primetime. And then now you have the win over Ohio State. You beat them by more than a touchdown, covered the number there. I kind of think Penn State might be like a little bit fugazi compared to what we thought coming into the season. Drew Aller just doesn't look like that guy right now. The offensive line, not very good, even with two running backs, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. Neither are averaging five yards per carry, and both are going to be in the National Football League. So kind of down on Penn State, but still, you can't take away from Ohio State. And I have no issue with it because it's October 31st, and they have to see Michigan. But my concern is now for these Pac-12 teams because Oregon is um, number five. Or I mean, you have Washington and you have Oregon. You know, in the winter, because most likely I think they're going to mm-hmm. probably run the table. I hope. I don't know. One of those teams could get clipped. I could see Washington actually getting knocked off by USC. As bad as USC if looks right now, guys. If they get clipped by USC, does that hurt Oregon? No, I don't think it does. As long as they take care of business. I mean, especially the way that they're winning these games. You know, they have to take care of business. They have to get to the Pac-12 championship, and they have to win. For a Pac-12 team to get into the college football playoff this year, they're going to have to win the Pac-12 championship and most likely have one loss. So I think that's Washington or it's Oregon, realistically, in my opinion. So what I worry about, though, Ohio State's number one right now. Michigan's in the top five. Mm -hmm. Let's say Michigan beats Ohio State 24-17, close game, fourth quarter, J.J. McCarthy leads this crazy 90-yard drive, and then you can't really punish Ohio State for that loss. 
then they're both most likely going to get into the playoff because they're not going to see each other in the Big Ten championship game because that stupid rule where the team from the West has to come over, which is why we always see Iowa or the Badgers or some team get, you know, blown up in the championship game. So that's my concern is like Washington or Oregon, maybe even with one loss, doesn't get in. Because Florida State, I think, runs the table in the ACC. Mm -hmm. Michigan, Ohio State, their only loss would be each other. And then Georgia. Who's beating Georgia? Maybe they get clipped. I don't see it happening. Georgia's really good. Um, And look at the way that they're winning these games. It's just not your traditional Georgia team. They're actually not as boring. Carson Beck's averaging over 300 passing yards a game. That's why I played them really small, 30-1 to to win the Heisman, threw for another 300, and now they're doing it without Brock Bowers. And they got McConkie back. They're getting a little bit healthier in their backfield. I just worry that if all those teams, um, you know, like take care of business, that a team like Washington or Oregon would get screwed over. It's been such a great year for the Pac-12, and it's the last year of the Pac-12. You would like to see one of those teams get in. But again, it's Ohio State 1, Georgia 2, Michigan 3, Florida State 4, Washington 5, Oregon 6, Texas 7, Alabama 8, Oklahoma 9, Ole Miss 10. The other concern is what do you do with the Big 12 championship? You know, because like Oklahoma right now has one loss. They run the table. They meet Texas. Texas runs the table. Whoever wins that game most likely gets in. If Texas finishes 11 and 1, 12 and 1, how do you punish them? When their only loss is to Oklahoma and they avenge it. You can't. That's the thing. And you look at the numbers and you look at the strength of schedule. That's why I feel like if anybody's getting screwed over, it's per usual going to be a Pac 12 team. I don't want to see that. I also feel really quickly like if you want to make a futures bet, best price right now, you're never going to get 14 to 1 on an Alabama team ever again. This isn't the sexiest Alabama team. Offensively, they're not a whole lot of fun, but they are figuring some things out where, you know, they could run the ball a little bit better. Milrow could hit you with his legs. And then if you stack the box, the one thing you could do is throw the deep ball. And um, Burton's been lights out the last couple weeks their wide receiver and that defense is really good if you look at the metrics they're just as good as when will anderson was there the last couple of years kool-aid mckinstry right now is being projected to go in the top 10 their secondary is getting a little bit better the only thing that you worry about is their offensive line they're not really good on the road but if they run the table they win the sec championship game and then i I, one lost bama team is getting in you know what i mean But who do they get in over like that's the thing who who are you not like if we're even if we're looking I mean, well, you got whoever Texas. loses the Big Ten. Yep, they'll get in over they'll Ohio in State, over Michigan, Ohio State, most State, likely. Um, so, but they would have to run they... the table. They would have to go win the the SEC championship. They'd have to beat likely Georgia in that. Like if Georgia and Bama both had one loss, I think they would both get in. It's just the SEC bias. I, I know. And, I would and, love and to be proved wrong on that. But... I know, and that's what I'm trying to like. We we talk so much about the Pac-12. Georgia, Alabama, and... Michigan, most likely if Michigan beats Ohio State, I think Ohio State's very beatable. Like, call me crazy. And then maybe Oregon. Yeah. Yes. I know. I know. And I want to see Oregon get in. I mean, not only because I'm a Dan Lanning guy. You have to have a Pac-12 team Especially, listen, like, it's the last chance for it, okay? We kind of have to do everything that we can to get (laughs) a Pac-12 team in. And, and like, Washington's played a really tough schedule. I get, like, okay, so you beat Michigan State, but you played a Big Ten opponent. I mean, that's not a cupcake. On the road. And, And when you release these schedules, like, when you schedule these games, when you sign these contracts, you don't know that Michigan State's going to be a complete dumpster fire because a couple of years ago they won double-digit games. They had Kenneth Walker, Mel Tucker, won double-digit yep. games year one, got that big ex- extension. Um, so that's the problem. You can't really punish these teams, especially these Pac-12 teams, and Washington's non-con schedule is pretty competitive. Um, you also, Florida State's really good. I don't see anybody beating them, but if they lose in the ACC championship game and they finish with one loss, do they get in? 
It's going to be interesting, man. I can't wait to see what happens down the stretch. Really quick, I'll throw out a couple bets that I bet uh, this weekend just because. Uh, LSU down to plus three. Kind of want to bet that right now. LSU, I think, is going to beat Alabama. That's why I did play that Alabama future, because if they beat LSU, I don't think they're losing another game. I think they could even beat Georgia, to be honest with you. But LSU, I just feel like if this game's a shootout, LSU wins because Jaden Daniels is the real deal. That's also why if you haven't played any Heisman futures on him, I know the price ain't great. You're still, if you're shopping around, getting at best four to one. But if he beats Alabama, I don't think any quarterback in the nation has better stats than him. The only thing that you could knock them on is the losses. One of them's a non-con to Florida State week one of the season, and they had the lead going into the half, and they probably should have won that game if it wasn't for the defense and stupid turnovers. Oh, my God. That was a disastrous second half And if they beat Alabama, a top-10 defense in the country, and he puts up those numbers, you know what I mean? Like, Quinn Ewers, the reason that we had him as the favorite because of what he did against that Alabama defense. Now, since then, he's been hurt. Dylan Gabriel's lost the game. You know, J.J. McCarthy, the numbers aren't really there. If he beats Ohio State... Okay, you know, and he throws for 400 yards. But if he beats Ohio State and it's Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards dominating on the ground and he throws for 220 and two touchdowns, are you going to give it to him over, you know, Penix or Bo Nix, who's completing 80% of his freaking passes? Bo Nix isn't worth, is worth a look, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I like LSU plus three. And then the other one I like, kind of scary. Uh, Iowa State, I like on the money line against Kansas. Iowa State's in right form right now. And I love Kansas on the offensive side of the ball. Really good play calling. Jason Bean, not the downgrade that we thought. I mean, we know that he played pretty good football last week. His dots over 11. He's pushing the ball down the field. I just don't know that you could do that against this Iowa State Matt Campbell defense. And they're starting to figure some things out offensively. You have to remember in the beginning of the year, they had some suspensions for gambling. Um, but they're starting to get themselves right. And then the other one, uh, lowest total that we've seen in college football history, although we are up to 31 right now. I would not bet the under. I would not bet the over. I like Iowa minus five against uh, Northwestern on the road. It could be seven nothing. It could be six nothing. I just think Iowa covers this number. I've been betting Northwestern the last couple weeks. They have a top 15 pass defense. Everybody thought they were just going to stink because they fire Pat Fitzgerald and that mess. They've actually been really competitive. They have. Um, but they're without their starting quarterback, Ben Bryant. He might come back this week. Uh, they've had some big wins, but I just don't know that they're scoring points against Iowa. Iowa's defense, obviously, top 10 in the country. And also, ooh, 37 31. Six seconds to go right at midfield. We might get it. Might get it. But also, guys, Iowa, this might be the changing of the guard finally. I don't know that Kirk's coming back. Brian is not coming back next year. No. They're not going to score enough yeah. points. And they right. pretty much came out and said that. That clause is ridiculous, he by was, the way. He was talking about today, like, getting hit by a bus like Kirk was. I think he's probably most likely done. And then I can't wait to see who oh. takes over that program. And then I also can't wait to see what it looks like. The Big Ten's changing. I mean, you have USC coming mm-hmm. over. You have these Pac-12 schools coming over. Now... You have to recruit against, like, Southern California schools. It's going to be interesting to see. I, and look, I, I know a lot of people don't like the realignment, but it's actually going to make things more competitive in the regular season. You're going to have more games each and every week where there's fewer times where we're going to sit there and go, oh, man, we got a bad slate in college football. Yeah. You're going to have more great conference matchups. You're going to create new rivalries. I know we're going to miss out on some of the old, and I know, like, anybody that obviously is from from the Pac-12, like, that sucks. I I, I, I get it, but... You are putting a lot of great programs together in the same conference, and I want to see how some of these schools recruit. How do you recruit against the Southern California school? How do you pitch? Like, I know it's really warm, yeah. and you, it, it's great over there, but, you know, we've got this. Here. Like, 
I, I don't like, know how that's going to look, although there's also rumors that Lincoln Riley might follow Caleb Williams to the NFL, which would be a whole other... Could you imagine oh if he bailed on USC this quickly to go to the NFL, to go with... I mean, that would be... Honestly, if you're Caleb, be an unbelievable if you're story. Caleb Williams, you're like, guy, okay, I followed you to Oklahoma, from Oklahoma to USC. Now it's time for me to fly my wings. I don't need Dad, you. I need to leave the house. I, I need to grow yeah, up. Yeah, like, stop trying to go with me to the dorms. Like, let me chill. Let me be my do my thing. I don't know if... I don't want to say that. I, I know how good Lincoln Riley is. Um, I Are feel you, like a lot of... you think he's an NFL coach? I mean, I... Caleb's bad this year. Like he's bad compared to what Caleb was last year, and I blame a lot of it on Lincoln Riley. I mean that team, it's it's now. I mean the season's pretty much over. It's over for yeah. them. They don't run anything. Nothing's. It's all like backyard playground stuff. That's why Caleb is doing the Mahomes thing when Mahomes. I mean also he's seeing a lot of like too high shell, just like Drake May yep. was, and they don't have the explosive weapons. But I mean, um, we're finding out how good Jordan Addison was. Is so good. Yes. I'm not saying Jordan Addison made Caleb look good, but he just doesn't he have did make those him look dudes. Good. He just didn't make him who he is. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little worried about Caleb. I, if I had the number one overall pick, I would draft Drake Mitt. I would. Wow. You know is that a is. hot take? Still? No, I'm not, I don't think so. I, Caleb Williams is going number one, so no, that would is. technically be a, that would technically and, be and a hot take. He's like the safe guy, but I don't know. I love Drake May. I and he's six five. I, look, it all depends on the where you go too, right? Caleb's it all depends two. on the system. It depends on the coach. It depends on the the organization. All that. It's bet MGM tonight. The winning trifecta is Ryan Horvath. I think we need to mm-hmm. set some parameters for roasting people for oh. their bets. Because I'm not going to lie, last week's teaser was absolutely terrible. I don't think I hit a single leg in it, which is fine. And at the end of the day, it counts for one bet. So people are saying, oh, all of your takes were terrible. Listen, if you lose a parlay or a teaser by one leg or four, Mm -hmm. it does not matter. It counts the same. But there is nothing worse than people who come on after the fact and say, all of these picks were terrible. Well, you have to say that before the game starts or else you just look like a Monday morning quarterback because obviously anybody can come in after the game and say, oh, you should have picked this team. So can we set some parameters for roasting people's picks? I say if you don't roast somebody before the game starts, you shouldn't be allowed to roast somebody at all. Yes. If you roast someone after the fact, you're a loser. You know why? Because anybody can do that. Anyone. Anyone can say, oh, I'll just wait and see how this plays out. And if you win, I won't say anything. But if you lose, I'll troll you. That's just, that's, that's lowbrow thinking. So, yeah, if you're going to call somebody out and say, I disagree with this pick, fine. Disagree before the fact. Don't do it afterwards. A child can do that. Also, if you're going to provide generic fifth grade insults, I'm not going to acknowledge you. Because it is one thing if you listen to my reasoning, you say, hey, I have a problem with your line of thinking. This is wrong, and I think you need to consider this, other than just somebody simply commenting, wrong. Like, that's the worst. (laughs) Like, you can't even argue with these people. Because I will follow up and say, okay, what exactly about my handicap do you disagree with specifically? And they never have an answer. And then they just follow up, see, you were wrong. I'm like, okay, well, if you can't tell me why I was wrong, 
then like you don't have any grounds for insults. And also another thing, if you don't have your picture as your profile picture, and if you don't use your name uh, as true. your profile name, you can't insult anybody for anything. It's very easy to hate from the sidelines. If you don't put your name to it, mm -hmm. sit down. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app. one thing that I would have is just like how this experience is going to start coming more and more to the forefront of our lives, like your life and my life and like Tyler's life and Jake's life and Alex's life and downtown Mike Brown's life and your life, the person listening and watching this right now, where I have a three team parlay last night in the national, among other bets, right? And my parlay is going to be closed out by the Colorado Avalanche. We're playing on the road at the Seattle Kraken. Now I get into bed. <laughs> Ryan, Trista, and Nick are back on BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. They're going back over on ESPN right now, like all of these, you know, all the trades that happened today in the NFL. I, it really, this was the most trades that happened on trade deadline day since 1990. But we've really, over the last couple of years, started to see teams get a little bit more active at the trade deadline. I like yeah. this. They're catching up to the NBA. This is a good thing. I like it too. I really do, man. I mean. Like, every year, there's a guy that's pissed off, just needs a change of scenery. Unfortunately, my team never gets that guy. How come you think uh, Devontae Adams didn't get moved? Yeah, I mean, um, it's a really good question, because what are the Raiders doing? You know what I mean? Like, Devontae right. Adams is in his 30s. You don't look like you're winning anytime soon. 
unless your thoughts are, hey, we're going to stink, we're going to have a top 10 pick, and we could get one of these quarterbacks, and then he's, you know, a young quarterback that's thrown to Devontae, because we're seeing with some of these young guys, Jordan Love, the way to go is probably not having the youngest wide receiver room in the league. You yes. want a vet out there. Um, but I thought they should have moved him. I really would have loved Devontae to Kansas City, Devontae to the Chargers. You know, Devontae back to Green Bay would have been nice, but the Packers aren't winning anytime soon either. I just, I want to see him win. He's a winning player. And I get why he's frustrated, but also I don't feel too bad for Devontae because this is what he wanted. He wanted to go to Vegas. He wanted to go back home. And uh, I could have told him Derek you know Carr's what, no though? good. That, that's the thing, though. He also went to go play with Derek Carr, and he didn't know the S-storm that was going to happen the way that he... Like, I can understand with him being frustrated. Yeah, but you had Aaron Rodgers. You don't leave Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr. That's like leaving Jessica Alba for, you know, Maybe he also Mariah wanted, Mills. He also wanted to get out of Green Bay. I think also the thing that he thought is he overestimated the impact that he as a receiver could have on his best friend, Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. He imagined what things were like when they played together in college. And I'm sorry, Devontae, you're not going to be the missing piece for Derek Carr to be a good quarterback again. And Devontae, I love you. You're going to the same division as the greatest quarterback ever to play in the National Football League and the greatest tight end who just found the fountain of youth. Yeah, he did. Taylor Swift. He did. I would. Yep. I mean, honey I, you know what I mean? Like, you picked to go to the AFC. You had it made in the NFC North. That's what I don't think Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, these guys realized. Like, the NFC North. Um, is a dumpster fire. Like, look at it this year. It's continuing to be that. I mean, the Vikings, the Lions, the Lions are good this year. They're they're legit. I'm not trying to take away from what they're doing, but they haven't won the division since. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are both Green Bay Packers today. Where does that put the Lions? Probably, I would still have them in first place because that Packers defense stinks. But mm-hmm. Green Bay would be a playoff team. I mean. You know, I think they'd be like 1A, 1B in that division. Probably 12-win team and an 11-win team, the other one. Oh, I, I think you we've know? learned now that Aaron Rodgers was the lipstick on a, a very ugly pig. Yeah, Gross, I tried to yeah. tell people this. They just they didn't understand. Oh. It's because they you were deal with a lot of You deal with a lot of fanboys, though. I need that Grayson you, Allen uh, three. Let's go. Can you guys uh, ding one of the bells for me? There you uh, go. Victor Wambanyama over three and a half turnovers has already hit. Yes. yes, yes. Then I'll ding hit. it for I myself, play it too. every night. Yeah. There you, every night. Hit. The problem is they're going to start putting that up to four like and a half. Six and a half. I know. Like, stop. At what point do we take the under? Never. I don't want to. Well, it's four only the rebounds, yeah. four turnovers, one block. A minus Two 11 points. if you're into that thing. Yeah, rough. Watching him out there, though, it really just is like just compared to what we think is like normal NBA players. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, God, he just, he really does look different. Like, it's just. Just the, the just the arm length, the wingspan. It's just so. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get used to seeing him. Just as a physical human being, the amount of the court that his sheer wingspan takes up, <laughs> it feels like almost half the court. The oh. worst is like if you have to interview these guys or you get close to them. And I've never been you know close to anybody like Wemby's size, but like a seven footer, you feel like such a little bitch. Yep. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like I would do like the Brook Lopez, and I'd be like, yeah. Oh, man. I, I mean, hope, I, I hope st- there's no girls. Right. I've stood next to George Mirazon before. It's just not. It just doesn't <laughs> well, that, feel real. I mean, he's seven foot seven. That's what I mean. Like, it just doesn't feel <laughs> yeah, real. You're yeah. like, this is. Oh, hi. Yeah. You know, it's 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 very very strange. Nice guy though. Very nice guy. Underratedly uh, nice. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways. Great actor. I yeah. yeah. Hey, listen. You know what? He had what a cabbage scented uh, cologne. Yeah. Wasn't that the commercial that he did? Oh yeah. What was it? What was it called? Um. Wait. He really had a cologne. He, what yeah. was it? It was like it was a, joke, a joke. I thought you were. Oh, yeah. I don't remember I that. I can't remember what it was, but it was like Cabbage Scent or something. I don't know why that sticks in my head. I was a big fan something. of the Michael Jordan cologne, though. In my opinion, some of the best smelling cologne ever. Oh, wow. That's a hot take there from a Bulls fan. 
<laughs> was a good cologne. Is there anything that Jordan could do wrong? Oh, plenty. Uh, well, okay, maybe a few things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> off the floor. Well, yeah, that's plenty. true. That's, that's, that's a little bit different. You know, going back to, like, Devontae Adams not getting moved, though, if I were him, I would have asked for a trade. I would have been like, listen, this, guys, and if I'm if I'm the Raiders, they should have they should have thought about selling. They have no plan moving forward. That's why I'm actually really happy the commanders traded away guys that were going to get paid in the offseason, or at least in Chase Young's case, franchise tagged. They made the right move. Josh Harris came in and said, all right, I want James Harden out today, and I want these two guys on the Commanders out. We are rebuilding here, and we're going to move on if we're the Sixers. He handled all of that. I love it. There's a lot of other guys, too. Adam Schefter had, like, the big, long list of names that were kind of thrown around in trade rumors that didn't get traded. I mean, Derrick Henry, to me, is, is a big one. I think Derrick Henry, this was the time to move on. I think Josh Jacobs, even though his stock is obviously a lot lower, they're not going to re-sign him. He's not going to get the deal he wants. You're probably going to move on there. Guys in the last year of their deal, if you don't think that you're going to pay them, you make the trade now. They do it in baseball all the time. You get yourself some assets back in return, and you move forward. T. Higgins, this is going to be obviously a push for the playoffs. I kind of understand why the Bengals didn't trade him. Because you've got a team that actually has Super Bowl aspirations. You're trending up. You've won three straight. That makes more sense to me. DeAndre Hopkins, I get too. This was another one on the list. Hunter Renfro, I mean, again, that they're not going to, they're not going to throw him the ball enough. Although they did last night, which was utterly ridiculous. I don't know why we weren't going to Jacoby Myers more. Whole other conversation. Here's a name that was thrown around a lot, though. Jacoby Brissett. Because if Washington's already going to be selling off, wow. he's your backup quarterback and on a one-year deal. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year anyway. I don't know what you're getting more than maybe like a fifth-round pick. Vikings should have gone after I him. I would have taken Jacoby Brissett over Joshua Dobbs, honestly. For sure. Yeah. I have a real quick question for you guys both about the commander's defense. Mm-hmm. Now that they have traded Montez Sweat and uh, Chase Young, two like pretty good elite edge rushers, getting pressure on the quarterback is their thing. How does their absence now affect <laughs> how you take receiver props? Because here's the thing, like, if your quarterback has some time yeah. and, and then you've got Especially your secondary... Yeah. yeah, so say your secondary starts dropping back in coverage more, is that more underneath routes? Like, how does that affect reception I, totals? How tr- does that rece- uh, affect yardage? I'll be honest with you, I'm going I'm going longest reception against them with certain big, big play receivers. Yeah. What do you I'm think? looking at receivers receiving yards too. Yep, I completely agree, especially yep. like the underneath guys, like yep. the slot wide receivers, you know, um mm-hmm. I feel like this is probably not the best week though because it's the Patriots. No, 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 right. I wouldn't do it I this time around. I actually bet the Commanders. I like the Commanders plus three and a half, especially like selling off all these pieces. You're going to have you know? guys motivated. Yeah, and the Patriots James are bad. Smith-Williams I, and Two Hill is there. these are the guys that are going to be there they're oh, they're feeling oh man, I just Oh, we could have had Justin Herbert or Tua. We could have had Justin Herbert. Anyway, I'm going to move on from that. Although, I'm not man, about like Mac Jones completions might be worth a look. Yeah. yeah. He's going to have time in the pocket. It's that secondary. You're going to get some pressure up the middle still with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. Yep. But when it comes to the edge now, you just don't have that. And the, and the commanders also have a big issue at linebacker, which is amazing because Jack Del Rio supposed to know linebackers. Ron Rivera supposed to know linebackers. They haven't been able to figure out the linebacker situation, including Jamin Davis, who they drafted in the first round a couple of years ago. And he's been, well, average at best at times. So there's a lot of opportunities. It really, like, when you ask what you can do with receivers, is it this or this? My 
My answer to you, Trista, is yes. Both. It's just all of it. Like, it really is. You can hit tight ends across the middle now. Linebacker has always already been an issue for this team. But then on top of that, you also look at guys getting beat deep. I thought Kendall Fuller, their corner, was maybe going to get traded. Actually came back and played pretty well. But this year, like, it's just been a disaster overall for this team. I think they go big in free agency this offseason. But, yeah, you, you target. You just continue to target that Washington secondary when you've got elite receivers specifically. Yeah. I mean, I was all over Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown, oh, and it all be- came home. It was, it's an so, easy it was one so the rest easy. of the way. Yeah. Ooh, I'm so excited. I'm looking at their schedule right now to see when I'm going to start winning some money. Uh, Seahawks. C.D. Lamb's going to put up some numbers. Yeah. yeah. Seahawks, D.K., yep. Tyler Lockett, big games, probably a DK tutty. Mm-hmm. CD's probably going to go for like 12 receptions, 150 yards. Oh, I'm so glad that you guys just brought up CD. I wanted to do something. What Offensive player do? of the year Ooh. for oh, CD okay. Lamb. No, I'm not kidding. Number. You are drinking the Kool-Aid in Dallas. I was, uh, of course, listening to our good, good buddies over on BetQL Daily. And uh, they were bringing it up. They were talking about it this morning. And I was like, you know what? That is not worth a, that, that's worth a look, I think. So right now. C.D. Lamb. So McCaffrey's plus Holy 150. Crap. Arizona just cut this thing at least to 11-5. Wow. They just that? hit a three-run homer. Damn, I got nothing. Guriel just hit a three-run homer. Yeah. C.D. Lamb, 66-1. to Offensive player of the year. I think Dallas is only going to continue that, to get for that better. Price, for that price, it's worth it, but I don't think he's going to win that. He is so damn good, though. So I mean, good. I would... I would if I had a vote, I'm voting A.J. Brown over him. Let's look at his last couple games, all right? Against the Rams, 12 receptions, 158 yards, two tutties. Against the Chargers, seven receptions, 117 yards. Like, I feel like he's finally... What happened was, it was October 8th against San Francisco right after. Remember, he took a bunch of flack. I do. People saying he's not a number one. And then he came out against the Chargers, mm-hmm. dominated. Now, I want to see him do it against a secondary that's, like, rated, like, 15th or higher. Granted, you know, because it's the Chargers and the Rams. But right now, he looks really, really good. And I'm a big CeeDee Lamb fan, man. Me I too. like him because you could stick him anywhere on the field, too. He is a weapon. Oh, he is. He not the biggest w- dude, but he's a he's a number one it. receiver, but he's like a low end number one, right? Like when we talk about best receivers in the NFL, he's not in that conversation, but he's a he's a very good receiver, and I would look at him as a, as a low end number one. But with like Tua being the uh, overwhelm not overwhelming, but with Tua being now the favorite, the new favorite to win MVP, do you not think a bad if Tua, MGM, it's actually still Mahomes? It's still the Mahomes there, yeah. But do you think if Tua ends up winning MVP, that um, Hill would also be Offensive Player of the Year? Because that would be my angle. I don't. Yes. I don't think it would be the case. Really? I think it's possible. I mean, you got to think he's the. See, I mean, I'd rather just see Tyreek win MVP. I know it's a quarterback award now, but um, he's not. Yeah, that that's, feels like they can't not give Tyreek some award. But if you're if yeah. you're looking at a non quarterback for MVP, Christian McCaffrey's got to be in the conversation because even with the 49ers struggles and all, he with all the injuries, touch- that might help his case. He's too. a freaking touchdown right? machine, and he's car- he's carrying that offense by himself essentially. Yeah, the offensive line, other than Trent Williams, not really grading out well. Although that, yeah. that, like that's something that people should look at. They probably won't though, because when people talk Niners, they always talk about the offensive line being one of the best in the league. It's just not. Trent Williams is Trent the Williams best. is, yes. Is, he is the best in the league, but, right. yeah. I mean, he's been that way for a long, time. George long Kittle time. helps because he's the best blocking tight end. Sure. And Kyle Shanahan as a play caller helps. But, you know, you know what they have? They're a good team with a lot of talent in a lot of positions. Yeah. That's not uncommon. That's usually how it goes. So, most players that have won MVP in, in any sport, they've got other talent around them because their team has been really good. So, Facts. I would love to see Christian McCaffrey get... <laughs> An opportunity, like at least just get enough votes to kind of be in like the top three, but it, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be all quarterbacks, and that's what offensive player of the year should be at least reward the other guy that's not a quarterback that had an MVP like season. All right, we're back tomorrow. It's Bet MGM tonight.